Hey there, everybody. You are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Vera. And I'm Liz. And this is where we take a look at graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists. And this time around, well, first of all, a little bit of a correction. I uh, said last time we were going to be doing something a little different. That did not pan out. So um, instead we are jumping to one that I'm pretty sure we mentioned was on the docket last time. I think we were going to do it in September. Possibly. We don't know what we're going to do in September now. But for the moment, we are taking a look at Katie the Cat Sitter. This is written by Colleen A.F. Venable, illustrated by Stephanie Yu with colors by Brayden Lamb. Um, now we haven't encountered anything from this writer before, but Stephanie Yu has done some work on some stuff we've looked at. Um, she was a on Smile, She was yeah. a colorist on Smile, um, although this is her debut for middle grade graphic novel being the primary illustrator. So, th <laughs> this was, well, first of all, you're the one, this being a middle grade thing, you brought this one to the table, so what was your like initial inclination on this what drew you to it um so it is one of the golden dome nominees um for the state of vermont this year um golden dome being the award list that grades four through eight can vote on if they have read five out of the 25 um so i knew some of our students would be reading it anyway especially because it was a graphic novel and so that's also how we came to like Snapdragon and like Prince and the Dressmaker and a couple others. We've gotten some good stuff by, by you pulling off that list, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this was interesting because I didn't look at, before I started reading this, when you handed it to me, I didn't look into what this was about. I didn't read the back. Um, I didn't look. <laughs> yes, I could tell you hadn't read the ba back. Is that what? There's something on the back where you got to it in the book and you were like, really? And I was like. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't read the blurb on the back. So it just sounds like potentially a semi realistic thing, a bit like. <laughs> A bit like Smile, a bit like uh, Sunny Side Up, or you know something like that. It's just oh, the, she's like she's twelve, the main character Katie, and she gets she gets a summer job, but, you know, cat sitting. Okay, what wackiness ensues? Well, for, first of all, first of all, it's two hundred seventeen cats <laughs> in an apartment in New York, um, <laughs> or actually even before that was the fact that it gets laid in that this is a world with superheroes. Mm -hmm. um, with sort of the, the main superhero being the Eastern Screech, which is an owl-based superhero who is very much a Batman parody. There's a... He's very full of himself. Oh, too. he is. There's a great gag later on. Where he's like, he's being interviewed and he says, I lost my parents when I was a child. Then it cuts to him sitting on the couch with his parents watching the news broadcast. And his mother goes, it was for five minutes in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> so I had forgotten about that part. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, but, of course, where there are superheroes, there are also supervillains. The most notorious of which is someone called the Mousetress, which is basically a Catwoman parody. Yes. 
Um, with sort of the, um, actually a pretty direct parallel to the more modern conception of Catwoman. Mm -hmm. Because like, classic Catwoman was just a thief. Mm -hmm. That's just what she did. More, uh, like, I'd say from about the 90s on, like, the Batman the Animated Series really lent into this and it helped solidify it, is that, yes, she's a thief, but she's also an animal activist. Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of, a, of an eco-terrorist. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the Maustress's MO, because, yes, she'll go to a place and she'll steal stuff, but it also happens to be a place that when the police go to investigate her theft, they find evidence of animal abuse. So, like, mm -hmm. she stole stuff from some rich, famous tool of some kind. It seemed to kind of just be a parody of an influencer. Mm -hmm. and, oh, God, yes. Yeah. And the cops find, a, you know, evidence of a dog fighting ring in his basement. Yeah. So it, it's that kind of thing. So, yeah, there, there was already a lot more going on in this, and it's a lot more ridiculous than I had expected, which was kind of nice, because you know me with the more realistic. I don't inherently dislike them. They just engage me a bit less. I also, I thought of you too. I think the fact that the drama was kind of displaced, like because the friend was at summer camp and it was all through like postcards and stuff. It wasn't like front and set. I mean, it was important to the, like what was going on, but it wasn't, they were actively fighting. Yeah. So in person for anyone who is like me and is like, oh, middle school drama. Ugh. Um, there is a little bit of it here, but it is very much sidelined with, with the main thing, you know, the thing that Katie's trying to raise money to be able to do is to go and join her friends at a summer camp that I guess is pay by the week. Um, so she's, ho she's hoping to get there at, at the, at the tail end of it. Um, and she's in, uh, she's doing postcards back and forth with her best friend and sort of getting a sense of them sort of becoming more distant through that. But it's, like you said, it's not front and center. It's not the main point. It matters, but, you know, there's also 217 cats who love to steal the couches of the downstairs neighbor to deal with. So there's there's more immediate pressing concerns. And it also they also use the postcard device to actually go to like fit into the main plot too. Yeah, so it, it does be kind of nice. It does become a plot point later, as opposed to just well, let's sprinkle some drama. Yes. So yeah, that was appreciated. I mean, I I think I think I can safely say at this point, if people haven't gathered, I did enjoy this. This is charming. I think is a is a good word for this. What I liked about it is I feel like it's clever at being kind of dub. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I, I think it really helped that it did things like lay out um, the superhero, the Eastern Screech, very early. And, like, right in the second chapter, like, the, the art teacher at the school where Katie goes is, like, clearly enamored with this superhero. So it's like painting a picture. Like, not only are the heroes a little ridiculous, the world's a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it's it, a satire well. Yeah, it sort of set the standard of like, okay, understand where quote-unquote reality is here. <laughs> set set your metrics accordingly. It's gonna be a little ridiculous. And it gave a shout-out to a Pickle Fest. Your yes! Pickle fest. Yes, Katie and uh, her mother go to Pickle Fest in New York, which is a thing I have been. 
It's... I'm shocked. I, I know. Who would have ever guessed that I would go to a pickle fest? <laughs> For our listeners out there, Vera regularly eats, like, probably like a jar, maybe a jar and a half of pickles each time you come over. Yeah, about. Yep. On, uh, on average. And that's like coming over for the weekend. So, yeah, I, I eat a over lot of... the course of, of two or three days. A yeah. lot of pickles. But yeah. only dill pickles. Well, yes. Those are the only kind of pickles. <laughs> well, yes. Look, there's two kinds of pickles. There are dill pickles and there are lies. Mm -hmm. And I don't mess with lies. Get your bread and butter nonsense out of my sandwich. Anyways, um, so we haven't really talked too much in specific about the characters. Um, so Katie, Katie is, I would say, adorably in over her head. Yes, her her attempts to earn money. I, f I had forgotten about that at first. Are pretty bad. Like. Plant sitting, she like overwaters them. She over and or underwaters them because yeah, she couldn't remember that. which ones to not water and which ones to water extra, so they pretty much all die. Yeah, I need to get that girl a notebook. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. She tries to carry groceries for a neighbor, but it's up like six flights of stairs. And in... the neighbor's super strong, even though she looks frail. Yep. Yeah. In New York, and the neighbor's like carrying 90% of the stuff. Uh, on their own, where Katie's like with one bag. Ah! Oh, um, I know that. I've 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 been that person. <laughs> uh, and eventually landing on cat sitting. And there's actually there's some fun supporting cast as well. There's um, there's the guy who runs the sort of convenience store down on the ground level. Mm -hmm. um, who she's friendly with. And his cat scratch off. Yes, his cat scratch off because, of course, he sells lottery tickets amongst other uh -huh. things. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love some of the cat names. Well, like, I was going to say, we, I would figure we get to that towards the back end. Okay. Um, there's Madeline, who is the woman with all the cats. Mm -hmm. uh, who's also... Spoiler! Spoiler! Is oh, all, spoiler! Is... Stop listening if you don't want to know major detail. I mean, Madeline's also the mousetress, except that, like, the, it's framed in a way that that should be really, really obvious, obvious yeah. really early on. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not even really a spoiler. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and she has, um, she has that sort of classic femme fatale kind of aspect. But, yeah, even yeah. when she's just kind of coming home. Yep. Um, Just very in control of everything. Yes. Um, Katie's mom was kind of... Katie's I mom, liked her mom a lot. Especially mom. at the Wax Museum, which she is terrified of. Which is... That's legit. I mean, I can't say I have... Like, because I've gone to Madame Tussauds and I was fine with it. But I'm like, no, that's, that's a legit fear. Like, to be creeped out by wax figurines. I like, Katie's mom makes a lot of sense as her mom. Like, I, I can see. <laughs> the I can, gene pool there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With, but at the same time, felt very much like her own person. But it's also like, oh yeah, you spawned from that. That, yeah. that makes, <laughs> that absolutely tracks. <laughs> the quirkiness. Oh yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then, and there are some fun quirks. Like when they're at the pickle, fest, it gets established earlier that Katie loves hot and spicy food. Like, oh, yep. Like, to a point that she says, if I can still feel my tongue, it's not hot enough. Um, 
I get you, Katie. (laughs) And so later they're like, they're at the pickle fest and they bite these, the world's spiciest pickle. And Katie's just loving it. You can see her mom like sweating and tears in her eyes. You're like, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to keep pace with her kid. Uh, So there, there is lots of, there's lots of cat shenanigans. There is some superhero hijinks. Mm-hmm. All of it from start to finish is very lighthearted. And yes, there are some absolutely ridiculous cat names. And um, abilities and things. I like the gymnast cat with the little ribbon that like dances <laughs> around. Yeah. all See, here's the other thing about the cats. They all have uh, an area of expertise. Um, and I think she... Like, actually has all the cats in them. I didn't count that there was 217, but it seems like there's a lot of them. There's several pages. There's several pages in the back listing the cats and their specialties. And, yeah, it's... So, some of the, there's like one, there's a black cat. You called it the Entrapment Cat. So, if you've ever seen the, what, 2000 movie Entrapment Something like with... That. Catherine uh, Zeta Catherine Jones. Zeta-Jones, like, bending in interesting shapes to get around a laser grid. There's a cat that basically does that. I think that. that's Miles. Yes, that, that was Miles. But, like, what... Oh, the one you cracked up at was uh, Paw Simon. Paw <laughs> Simon! I love it so much. Paw Simon. And there's, like... <laughs> That's what I mean. It's really quite clever at being dumb. (laughs) Like, and not all the names, like, I'm looking at the... Some of them are more generic, but... Not not all of them are are puns. There's, like, there's Hazel and there's Izzy, but then there's also Catman Crothers um, and and Catthulu, whose specialty is being a luchador. (laughs) Um, I also like that there's one that does smoke bombs and then they're like, bath bombs is the next one's specialty. I love little (laughs) details like that. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, it's, honestly, you could just look at the back four pages or so and probably get some good laughs off of that. And it it is all over the place. There's there's very clearly useful things like Moritz with counterattacks, but then there's Pippin. Which counterattacks seem to be like shoving things, things off, off a counter. Yes. yes. Um, but then there's Pippin, who is an ergonomics expert. <laughs> there was a librarian and a teacher in there, I saw too. Of course. Of course there is. Mm-hmm. And there's there's also Marla, whose specialty is karaoke. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm seeing her wailing away. Uh <laughs> Not all of them. And there's Precious, who has super gas. Yeah. So not all of these feature in the actual story, so it's worth a look at the end to go through all of them and be like, who did we miss? I'd say there's probably about 12 who get a decent focus in the course of the book. Yeah. At a a guess, without going and counting. Mm. Um, But this is is a fun, cute, entertaining read. Mm -hmm. The... The, the cats are, well, as, as Katie herself puts it later when, when initially asked, you know, what are their names? Uh, evil, more evil, and what the hell is wrong with you? Stop being evil, evil. <laughs> yes. So, you know, they, they are very much cats. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but, my cat lovers among, in, among my students are really going to love it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's sweet. I think it's funny. I think it is wonderfully lighthearted. I had, I had a good time with this. And, like, I wasn't expecting to dislike it, but it was definitely... Not what you were expecting. It was different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't tell you much about it or you didn't look at it. <laughs> Good job not doing research. It benefited you. <laughs> well, like, here's the thing. I already know I'm going to read it. It's not like I'm going to read the back to go, should I buy this? We've already decided we're reading it. I might mm-hmm. as well just jump into it. This is my rationalization so that I don't just seem lazy. Mm-hmm. Good job. <laughs> uh did you have any other thoughts uh no i just think yeah i think it would be pretty much appropriate from like grade three or so oh yeah on up like i think even my like elder elder middle schoolers my like seventh and eighth graders would like it too so I, I, that, that makes sense. I would think it would have a pretty wide range of appeal because for the younger kids, it's just like, it's cats. And for the older kids, honestly, the superhero connection might bring it that. Like more satirical nature might get to them. Yeah. Might, might give it an appeal to a slightly older group. Yeah. It's the kind of thing I might even get my own kiddo to read. She might like it with all the cats. Yeah. Okay. My, my child, folks, she... She's a voracious reader, but she's an insanely picky reader. It is very hard to get her to step out. like her taste in food. It is very hard to get her to step out of the two book series that she currently likes, despite the fact that she has completely finished one of them. Anyways. But yeah, it sounds like we kind of both give this one a recommendation. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, we don't have a ton of feedback, but we do have a little bit, so we are going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back with feedback and then talk about what we're going to do next month, because we do know. So, be back in a minute. Hey, Sean, do you want to go over the checklist to make sure we are ready for the next phase of the Batman Family Reunion? Sure thing, Paul. Robin and Batgirl in team-up action? Check. Fried chicken? Check. Mambat fighting a were jaguar? Check. Deviled eggs? Check. Potato salad? Check. Without the raisins? Of course. The Huntress fighting Catwoman and Poison Ivy? Check. Lemonade? Check. Alfred and Commissioner Gordon keeping a secret from Bruce Wayne? Check and check. Reprints or all new stories? New stories and reprints until issue 10, and then nothing but brand new stories from there on out. Giant size issues? A mere giant size until issue 16, and then dollar comics from issues 17 to 20 through the end of the run in Detective. Guest list? Absolutely. We are having a number of bat relatives visit the reunion, so listen in for your favorite bat cousin. All right, great. Then we're all ready for the Batman Family Reunion Podcast, where we talk about Batman Family, the great comic book from the 70s and 80s. We'll discuss not only the stories, but also the text pages and ads, and we'll also find out what the Batman Family was doing on the newsstands that month. And since this is a reunion, we're inviting all of you, the Bat Kinfolk, to listen in and to be part of the show. Look for the Batman Family Reunion Podcast on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Okay, folks, and we're back. The comment we had on our last episode came from Brian Linton. Uh, That was the episode where we talked about the second volume of Ms. Marvel, Generation Y. Uh, 
It was good to hear you revisiting one of the series you covered back near the start of the show. My daughter and I just started watching the Ms. Marvel series on Disney+, Plus. watched episode 3 last night, and we're both enjoying it. Initially, my daughter was a little disappointed at the change in Kamala's power set and origin. Yeah, same, Brian, I'm there with you. Uh, but the reveal that her powers were innate and didn't come from the mangle itself helped her move past that. Also, if you want to double down on the cuteness factor, then... Uh, might I recommend the Marvel Rising franchise, which includes both Lockjaw and Tippy Toe on a team. <gasps> along with Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl, and another and other young female and BIPOC heroes. The franchise, which ran from 2018 to 2019, includes two comic books and a series of animated movies and shorts, one of which I've seen. Um Unfortunately, I don't think it qualifies for coverage on the show because there are a couple of boys on the team. Well, we haven't... We've only done a couple of team books, but our, our official stance on that is it has to be 50% or more... Yeah, um, we could look into it. ...girl-identifying characters on a team. So having a couple of boys, if it's still mostly girls, that would count. Mm -hmm. So we, we can take a look into that. We, we, I think we should for Tippy Toe and Lockjaw. And Lockjaw. Whoa, well, I, know, I know you're all about Lockjaw. Um, I suppose it's also worth touching on, because at this point, the Ms. Marvel series has wrapped up. Mm -hmm. um, what were, did you have any overall thoughts on it? I agree with you on the pacing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me first say that, like, Iman as like the main character is amazing and so adorable, just such great energy. Loved her. Um, a lot of the cultural details are really great. It is a very pretty show, I think. Very colorful show, like colors pop. Um, yeah, some of the supporting cast is really good. Her, her father's adorable. <laughs> I was particularly fond of him. Yeah, the family aspects are done in the immediate family really well. Um, but yeah, the pacing in the middle episodes is... Yeah, it's it's one of those shows that if some of it wasn't so good, I wouldn't be so annoyed at other aspects mm -hmm. of it. Like the short version, because obviously I've got you know video reviews up on my YouTube channels, mostly on the break room of geeks, but... The short version is that there is too much going on for only having six episodes to work with. Because mm -hmm. um, they're trying to cover origin. They bring in uh, the clandestine, giving them a major rework from the comics. But they bring them in, and they don't really get properly explored. They deal with Kamala's cultural heritage, which should be dealt with, but it's like it removes her from her normal setting in order to do it. The, like, to give you a, just an idea of how wonky the pacing is, there's a character who is introduced and then within the same episode betrays the trust of the people that they've gotten to know, and it has no meaning because we just barely met this person. And then later on, another character gets introduced and then is killed later that same episode, and the death has no meaning because we just barely met this person. I it's, know. That's the kind of the pacing problems with it. But, and like, I feel like another thing that exemplifies it well is there's the, there's the stuff early on with like the, the moving things like the moving graffiti, like to represent Kamala's artwork and her love of that. Like that's in episodes one and two and doesn't show up again until episode six. Mm, yeah. As pretty as it is at times, it, it, 
you can tell it's directed by multiple different people and not everybody was fully on the same page. It, they either needed to drop one of the plot lines or they needed to have more episodes. But I, I also agree with you. The family stuff was great. Kamala herself was great. I'm excited to see more from her, but I, I wanted something better for her. Yeah. But that means that we can say next month we are revisiting She-Hulk, but not in the same way we did with Ms. Marvel. Mm -hmm. Because with Ms. Marvel we picked up the basically sequel volume to the one we already did. Mm -hmm. This time, um, because I forget who now, because I have the memory of a sieve, but somebody sent me the first, actually eight, we're only going to do the first six, issues of The Sensational She-Hulk, which was kind of what really pushed her, uh, started pushing her in the direction she later went with initial fourth wall breaks and stuff like that. She was doing it before Deadpool, people. So Ooh. we're going to be taking a look at that just in time for She-Hulk Attorney at Law to come out next month. So we'll talk about that then. Yes. I think that's about it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can support the network by finding Fire & Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This particular show enjoys support from Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach. Thanks again for listening.